Well, good morning, New Cov. Hey, I like that. So, uh, I was just struck while I was uh, worshiping and, and uh, thankful for the, the team up here. How uh, things can get really real, really fast. And sometimes, sometimes we can show up here on a, a Sunday morning and, and sometimes I'll show up here on a Sunday morning and I'll think, well, we'll uh, interact with a few people, we'll sing a few songs, and then probably grab some lunch, maybe I'll get the lawn mowed, maybe I'll, you know, whatever things I need to do to be able to get ready or prepare for the next week. But what we talk about here on Sunday mornings it gets real really fast. And the fact that we worship a God that loves us and cares about us, enough that not only can we put our confidence in the fact that two weeks ago when we celebrate Easter and this God overcomes death for us out of love for us, but not just that, that he leaves us with a gift. Paul calls it a treasure that he leaves inside of us, the Holy Spirit that he's given us. And that's what this whole message series is about. It's about God working through our weakness, through who you and I are as uh, jars of clay, as cracked pots, as uh, messes uh, of our own. And, uh, and so last week we talked a little bit about David, and it was, it was sure reassuring for me just to be able to, to recognize that God saw David even in the midst of his every day, which in that particular instance... Uh, we looked at David, and he was, he was left out of this uh, lineup of who might become king. But yet God found him, and God knew that, that he had his hand on David, that he had chosen him. Today, uh, I'm just so excited to be able to, to dig into to another character, uh, Joseph. And, and I'll talk just a little bit about that in just a second to get us going. But let me remind you of where this is coming from, where this series is coming from. It's from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And we will get to hear a little uh, uh, Jars of Clay uh, song here in just a little while. So, you know, if, if all else fails, you've still got that to look forward to. But my hope, my hope is that God will speak to you today, that he will penetrate your heart, and that that treasure will come alive, and that you will have confidence uh, in that very thing. So, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, it says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Some days we feel those things a little bit more than others, and, and my hope is, I know that when I come together with you guys, I feel encouraged, uh, and I feel uplifted, and I feel uh, you guys help me to remember that there's a treasure inside of me. But sometimes throughout the week, it's just like, man, Satan starts to grab hold of that, and you start to think about the cracks, uh, the, that little treasure, those earthen vessels, they just don't, they don't hold up. And so we have to be able to focus on uh, what God's planted inside of us. So we know that in Jesus' death and resurrection that God has given us, those of us who believe, who trust in him, that he's given us approval, he's given us confidence, purpose, hope, peace, security, humility, gentleness, patience, peace, hope, 
all this and more that, that we've uh, yet to untap, and it's all tucked right inside of, of who we are. So as I talk about, as I start to talk about Joseph today and God's power in, through Joseph's, Joseph's weakness, uh, this is a story that you guys, I didn't even come, become familiar with, and this, this sounds, I'm almost embarrassed, but I don't think that I read the story of Joseph uh, until I was in college. And it was at just the right time that God introduced me to Joseph and what he did in Joseph's life. And, and so I'll, I'll give you a little bit more about that. For us to be able to dive into this, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of a narrative of, of Joseph's life. And so you're going to sit back. You're going to, that's right, y'all are going to sit back, relax, uh, and just listen to this. And I want you to think, like, what might God uh, want to say to me through Joseph's story? And again, this is from Genesis uh, chapter 37 all the way through Genesis chapter 50. So it's a good long story. And again, it's one of those that I think that as you start to read it, as you dig in and you open up Genesis 37 and you start reading, you won't be able to stop. It just, God just keeps sucking you in. And so that's my hope, and that's your next step, actually, is that at Genesis 37, when you leave here this week, that you'd pick up there and you would start reading. And then I'll give you a few questions later uh, that you can ask yourself about that. So this is a paraphrased story. It leaves out several things, uh, but those are things that you'll be able to discover as you go back through. All right. Jacob, now named Israel, uh, lived with his 12 sons and one daughter in the promised land. Out of all his sons, Israel's favorite was Joseph. When Joseph turned 17, Israel gave him a beautiful multicolored coat. But Joseph's brothers grew to hate him. They hated him even more when Joseph told them that he had a dream that in the future all his brothers would bow down to him. To make matters worse, Israel asked Joseph to make, to make sure his brothers were doing their jobs, shepherding their cattle. When Joseph went into the field, his brothers grabbed him, ripped off his coat, and threw him into a deep hole. They argued about what to do with him. The oldest brother, Reuben, convinced them not to kill Joseph. But when Reuben left, the other brothers sold Joseph to slave traders. To cover up what they'd done, the brothers tore Joseph's coat, soaked it in goat's blood, and brought it to their father, saying, We found this in the field. Isn't this Joseph's? Israel carefully examined the coat, then began to cry. Yes, this is my son Joseph's coat. A wild animal must have attacked him. No one could have survived this. I'll grieve my son the rest of my life. Israel was so upset that he couldn't be comforted. Meanwhile, the slave traders sold Joseph to Potiphar, the head guard of for Pharaoh, the king of for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Right away, Potiphar noticed God gave Joseph success in everything he did. So Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his entire household and personal business. Now Joseph was young and very handsome, and Potiphar's wife began to desire him. She constantly pressured him to sleep with her. But Joseph refused, saying, I could never do something so terrible against Potiphar and against God. Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife in a hurry, but left his coat behind in her arms. That night, when Potiphar got home, his wife told him, that servant you brought here tried to sleep with me without my permission. I screamed. He ran away, leaving his coat. 
Potiphar became furious and threw Joseph into Pharaoh's prison. In time, God gave Joseph favor with the head of the jail, and he was put in charge of all the other prisoners. God gave Joseph the ability to interpret prisoners' dreams. A few years later, Pharaoh had some disturbing dreams. In one of them, he saw seven fat cows being eaten by seven skinny cows. One of Pharaoh's wisest men could interpret what this meant, or none of Pharaoh's wisest men could interpret what this meant. Give me just a second here. When Pharaoh heard that Joseph's ability to interpret, uh, when Pharaoh heard of, about Joseph's ability to interpret dreams, uh, he had he had him cleaned up and brought out of the prison. He asked Joseph, "Can you really interpret dreams?" Joseph replied, "That is beyond me, but not too hard for God. God will ease your worries." After Pharaoh shared his dreams, God gave Joseph this interpretation. The next seven years, Egypt will have an abundance of food. This will be followed by seven years of terrible famine that will spread over the land. The king was so impressed with Joseph that he made him second in charge of Egypt. Joseph was only 30 years old at the time. During the next seven years, Joseph traveled throughout Egypt making sure that there was plenty of food uh, that was being stored up in each city. After seven years passed, the famine came and spread throughout the land. Because Egypt was one of the only places that had food, people traveled from great distances to buy food from Joseph. The promised land was also struck by famine, so Israel sent his sons to buy food in Egypt. When the brothers arrived, they didn't recognize Joseph, and they bowed down before him. Joseph knew who they were, but held his emotions. He turned away to hide his tears when, they, when he spoke to them. Joseph was harsh to his brothers. He locked them up in prison, accusing them of being spies. He threatened to make them, his, make them slaves in Egypt. But later, Joseph could no longer hold back his emotions or hide who he was. He loudly cried out, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold as a slave. His brothers stared at him, speechless, shocked, and afraid. But then Joseph spoke to them kindly. Don't be afraid. God turned your evil into something good. God put me in this high position so I could save the lives of many people. Now I will take care of you and your families. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brothers and they wept together. When Pharaoh heard about this, he gave Joseph's brothers a plot of land in the best land of Egypt, a storehouse full of food and all new clothing. So Israel and all his descendants moved to Egypt and enjoyed the blessings that God had given to Joseph. So I'm going to ask you to do something. We don't normally read that much here, uh, but uh, I thought it would be awesome to be able to take in that, that story. So clearly we left out a lot of things. Will you think back through what I just read and imagine that you have the ability to go back and take a picture of any one moment through what I read. Take a picture of that instance, and I'll give you just a second to do that. So now just 
someone that's near you, share with them what, the, what picture it is that you, uh, you snapped or what was that instance that, you, that stuck out to you through this. Even those of you at home can do this as well. So, All right, so it's interesting. I would love to hear what, what everybody came up with. What's the snapshot that you wanted to see? What moment was it? Uh, was it uh, what was the moment that stuck out to you? Was it when, uh, when Joseph's uh, coat was given back to his, his dad all bloodied? Or was it when Joseph was crying out and saying, I'm your brother? And, uh, or was it... Uh, what it looked like for uh, for Joseph to be put in charge of uh, all things in in Egypt and how that worked. So, questions that you might ask as you go through this is just what do you wonder about this story, and why do you suppose the story of Joseph has been retold over time? Why is that important? There's a lot of different directions, as you guys know, that there were probably different pictures that were snapped and things that you'd be like, yeah, I'd like to know more about that, or, or what's the extra information there? And I bet if you read uh, chapter 37 through chapter 50, uh, you'll get a little bit more color there to be able to, uh, to pick up on some of those things. Um, but again, as we talk about God's power in our weakness... What might God want to say to us? So those cracks that we have, those things are there to be able to help us to recognize our need for God. And it also helps other people to recognize God active in us and God uh, at work around us. So how do we get to this place? You and I are certainly going to be wrong throughout our lives. Uh, Joseph clearly was wronged, and I counted them. Twelve of his brothers... A, this was kind of left out of the narrative there, but the chief cupbearer was supposed to tell Pharaoh about uh, Joseph's abilities to be able to, to interpret dreams, and that was going to hopefully get him out sooner, but it was two years later. Uh, so he wronged him. Uh, Potiphar's wife wronged Joseph. Those are all things. So how do we get to this place where we can say, like Joseph, don't be afraid. I'm in a, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done in, the, in saving the lives of many. So I'm going to do this little thing here real quick. So sometimes we talk about strings of memory uh, that we'll have, and I brought a few pieces of caution tape. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, I'm going to hand an end to certain people. It's not, I'm not, if I hand it to you, it's not because I have a grudge, to you, grudge with you, I promise. But I want to just to be able to recognize that Joseph had this, had an opportunity to be able to have these, these little strings of memory that he might hold a grudge from certain people. So if this looks like a mess to you, it, it is. Uh, we've got, got a few little pieces here. So, and we'll see how this works out. Do you mind holding that? Thanks. Yeah, it's my greatest honor. Oh, gosh. This really is going to be interesting. I probably should have done this a little bit differently, but... Oh, we've got another little end here. Here you go, Heidi. Keith, I knew we had something special. Okay. 
Oh, goodness. So don't worry if you're at home. I'm coming back onto stage here in just a second. Oh, is it going to? Oh, look at this. Okay. Now I can, I can tug on some of these. I gave you the short one there. All right. So here we are. So I've got these strings of memory. And if I'm Joseph, and honestly, if I operate uh, more the way that Troy, that doesn't have a treasure inside of him, operates, I can, I can carry some of these grudges. I can have some of these things. And I told you that God uh, let me in on the story of Joseph at just the right time. And that's because uh, I was at a place in my life where there were some promises that were made to me, and I'm not going to get, I don't want to talk too long because I want to, we're not going to uh, grab onto to grudges and things, but, but I want to talk about what it was about Joseph that was able to lay some of these things down. So we have these strings, and I was at this time in my life when I felt like there were some uh, promises that were, uh, that were made. I was 18 years old, and, uh, and I thought that I was going to have some support in certain uh, things that I was doing, and and suddenly, uh, those things didn't. Uh, the people let me down in those things, and so so I had an opportunity for grudges. So let's say that uh, these two strings right here, you guys are you guys are the twelve brothers right there, and darn right I know you by name because uh, you guys you ripped my jacket off and then you threw me in that hole, and then you sold me to some people. That was a great idea, by the way, and then. Uh, you're the chief cupbearer, uh, and you told me when you left, because I interpreted your dream, and it was positive, and you told me that you were going to let Pharaoh know so that I could get out of prison, because I'm in here wrongly anyway and running the place. And then, uh, John, I mean, you're Potiphar's wife, and (laughs) that that was just not cool what you did there. Uh. So these are grudges. And what I read about Joseph is that God gave him the, the ability, and you and I need to learn from this. Because I can hold on to these, but it's going to impact which direction I can go, what I can do in my own life, because I'm just tugging at this. And we learn that Joseph, when he had his firstborn son, he named him Manasseh. And that meant to forget. And he said, God allowed me to forget all the wrong that was done to me. And his next son he named uh, twice blessed, recognizing the way that God's blessing had shown up in his life. Here's a man that was dumped in a hole, sold off, wrongly imprisoned. Uh, we know that uh, he was 17 when he was, when he was sold off, and then uh, he ended up in prison sometime between uh, 20 and and. 30, uh, I think it is, 30 is how old he was, we know, when he came to Pharaoh. So he's got a lot of things that he could hold a grudge about. But God allowed him to forget Manasseh. So he set this down, and you guys can set yours down too. Um, So what is it that God did that allowed Joseph to be able to set those down? How do you and I get there? There was, as I was doing some reading... Of course, somebody wise like Chuck Swindoll was able to, to have, he had, he had three things that we can fight against that help us to be able to lay some of these things down. And guys, I'm sharing these things because uh, I know that there's people 
in here and there's people online that, that really we need to learn to be able to fight against these things because when we hold grudges, it just holds us back and it holds the treasure back that's inside of us. And instead of focusing on the cracks, being able to focus on, but God meant it for good. What are the good things that God has done? So uh, here are the things. Uh, one is to fight against the tendency to respond negatively to situations. Uh, instead, respond positively by trusting God's control. Those are easy words to say. But we have Jacob or Israel, uh, his response to everything that came his way. If you, if you read the, the chapters, his response every time was like, oh, someone, a wild animal clearly killed my son. I'm never going to get over this. I am going to be mourning forever. Well, God later gave him another son, Benjamin. Um, when, uh, when he sent his sons uh, to be able to go get food and they came back, and there was this there's trickiness going on with uh, uh, Joseph had put the son's money back in their bags along with all the food. And, and he did these things that kind of uh, uh, Israel then was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is a terrible thing that he did this. He couldn't see it as a potential blessing. So there's all those things that are responses in that regard. Uh, whereas if you look at Joseph, we don't hear, I don't know if it's because of the story, the story being told, but Joseph just seems to pick up right ever, wherever it is that God places him. Well, now I'm here, and uh, I'm here with Potiphar, so I'm just going to serve him. And he becomes in command of Potiphar and his whole life and, and all those things. Oh, I'm going to prison now. Well, all that we learn is that he just continues faithfully and soon he's in charge of everything in prison. And then he gets out of prison. And then it just kind of keeps going that way. So being able to respond uh, positively by trusting that God is in control, whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever the wrong is uh, that was done. Second, uh, fight against viewing problems horizontally instead of viewing them vertically. It's easy for us to know. We know chapter 37 and we know chapter 50. Okay, And I believe it's in 41 where it starts to turn, where it's like, oh, God did have some good out of this. This is pretty awesome. You and I don't get to, we don't get to like scan ahead and see how things go. We have to just step out and trust. And because of what we learn with, as we watch Joseph, we see that that's a possibility. Viewing things vertically. Recognizing that not everything that happens here on this earth has to be of benefit to <clears throat> Troy Heller. Uh, or any one of you, but that God has a bigger plan, something that's maybe, uh, maybe beyond our horizontal view. Um, and then the third thing is to fight against con- uh, confining life and situations to the way that we think they should go. I bet that, I bet Joseph had some thoughts about how his life should look and how things should go. And gosh darn it, I highly doubt that any of it involved uh, being traded as a slave. And yet, how amazing that God would use uh, that story the way that, that he did to save people. So like I said, I'm in college. God drops this in my lap, this story. And it helps me to be able to figure out uh, what it might look like to be able to look more vertically. 
And, and there were some things that still, you guys, still even to this day, uh, I want to pick up some of these strings of memories, and I want to tug on them just a little bit. For those of you guys playing along at home, I grabbed one of these. Um, and it's actually refreshing to me to see in the story of Joseph, I feel like Joseph, although God allowed him to forget and recognize his blessing, he still messes with his brothers a little bit. He still kind of fancies this, these strings some. The youngest brother, uh, Benjamin, which as you guys read it, uh, he's kind of, the details are left out of the narrative there. When Benjamin came uh, along with them to get food, uh, Joseph had his cup put in Benjamin's bag. And when they rode away, uh, then, they, then Joseph had people go uh, follow them and say, hey, uh, Joseph's cup's missing. Who could have it? And so they searched through, and it's in Benjamin's bag. So then that gives them the ability to, like, tug on this rope a little bit. And yet, God wins out. The treasure wins out. And Joseph recognizes the light just comes on. You know what? I've been looking at this thing all wrong. I've been thinking that you guys were just setting things out uh, to harm me. But I'm recognizing that God has orchestrated this whole thing so that he could save the lives of many people. So what does that look like for you and I? I told you guys that I, I still struggle with, with some of these things where I just desperately want to grab that string, but I'm trusting that God had a plan in some of the, some of the heartache. So, and mine, you guys, like it's, it sounds uh, pretty simple right now, but as a result of divorce and parents moving away and, and things that were promises that were made, I was an 18-year-old kid uh, starting college and going like, oh, I guess... I guess I'm on my own now. But God, even though I, I wanted to tug at those things, and you guys, I did. I did tug for a while. And I feel bad for the people around me that they got to hear me tug. But God used those experiences, the things that I went through. And granted, big picture, people go through some really, really, really hard things. This was really, really hard for me, but comparably, uh, probably not. So, uh, but God was able to use the experience that, uh, that I had for me to be able to come alongside of, I've come alongside numerous kids that have gone through those situations. I've come alongside uh, parents who have had questions or wanted to talk about different things that, that come up. And so God has been able to use and to redeem those things. God's helped me to be able to recognize uh, what it looks like to have kind of a, a mixed up, messed up, uh, challenging family interactions. And so I can be, uh, I can be sensitive to those things uh, for those of us that don't have these beautiful, pretty, uh, rosy, wonderful uh, home situations that, uh, that are there. So, but still, sometimes, even today, the temptation's there to pick up those strings. But what is it that allows us to leave those down is recognizing God brought so many awesome people around me. Part of why I think I love seeing everyone on Sundays and beyond and just being surrounded by people is the number of people that God brought into my life that were just like, Troy, I got your back. I'm here, man. 
And, uh, and that was so, so amazing. Also, uh, these strings, sometimes, you guys, sometimes they're, it's just straight up uh, sinfulness that we'll look at and we're like, rather than trust God and rather than trust that he might have a plan and where I am right now, I want to grab control. And so, you know what, I'm going to take this. And for me, it's like being bitter. Maybe it's like I'm going to take things into my own hands and uh, I'm going to figure out how I can get out of this prison or this hardship or whatever it is that I'm in. So uh, being able to just chill and recognize that God is in control. Um, sometimes we need to just let the, let the facts drive the train. And so literally as a part of my journey uh, was to look up several verses on forgiveness and just say, well, can I believe this? Can I believe what God says about forgiveness? And while I read these uh, verses, I'm going to go ahead and invite the the worship team to come on up. Um, But I want you to to listen to these verses that that God has. These are some of the truths that that come from his word. So Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgiving each other, just as uh, <clears throat> excuse me, just as in Christ forgave you. Colossians three thirteen says, "Bear with each other, and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you." Matthew six fourteen says, "For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father." will also forgive you. Matthew 18 says, when Jesus talks about forgiveness, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or, uh, as we hear from Joseph himself in Genesis 45, says, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. So this is when he's, when he's just crying. He couldn't contain it any longer. And you know what? I told you guys that you were going to bow down to me. And look at you now. You're bowing down to me. It's not what he said. He said, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. God, how amazing would that be? Don't be angry at yourselves for doing this to me or putting me in this position or whatever it happens to be. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. To save your lives. Listen, you and I have this treasure inside of us. Sometimes we're distracted and we want to look at the cracks. We want to focus on the cracks, who broke them, what things are putting pressure on them, what things are causing those to come. But if we can take a vertical mindset and just trust and keep being faithful as we move forward, as you see David do. We can forgive, we can begin to see the good, we can see the power, the treasure uh, come alive, and others can see that, and then they can glorify our God, the one that we serve, 
So your next steps uh, this week are to read, as I said, Genesis 37 through 50. And I want you to ask a few questions. Uh, What do you notice about God? What's he like? Why do you think uh, the ancient Israelites told this story? So this was repeated orally. Why was that repeated? What does Joseph's story say about us? About you? In what ways does Joseph's story mirror Jesus' life? Just kind of interesting as I, I was talking with a friend and they talked about how there's a number of things there that really mirror Jesus in his time on earth. So, uh, to close, we're gonna, uh, the worship band's going to sing a, a song here for us to be able to, to just soak in. Wherever you might be, you might be down in the valleys right now and you might be experiencing this and you might, uh, you might recognize this and go, God, this is just what I needed to hear. Help me to set the strings down and not need to tug at them. Will you set me free from that? And just as we worship and we sing, uh, that you'd be able to do that. Maybe it drums up, uh, maybe it's just something that, that helps you to, to be able to just keep going uh, and recognize that how you can help come alongside people that are struggling to put those things down. Uh, while we do this uh, song, this last song, would you guys, uh, on the QR code that's there on the seat back pockets, we, we love being able to come alongside people. We love being able to do uh, just our church is incredible, and we're very generous. And so uh, we want to know uh, any prayer requests that you have. Maybe as I've spoken today, maybe there's some things that you're like, uh, Troy, would you and the staff, would you be willing to pray uh, that God would set me free, that God would allow me just to forget and to drop these things that I'm holding so tightly? And then also our offerings there, that's how uh, New Cove continues to function and, and move forward. And so that's your opportunity to be able to, to give to New Cove. So, you guys, thank you. Worship team, thanks.